Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, good morning. Welcome. This is uh, uh, not just to here in the Benicia campus, but welcome to everyone in our Vallejo campus. Uh, I actually had the chance to be with you last weekend, and it was a lot of fun. I had a great time there, and I'm glad you're back with us this weekend, too. And uh, also for those of you who are watching online, um, we are in a series called What Makes You Happy? And, and it's, an ex- it's really kind of um, trying to figure out those things that really bring life satisfaction to us, and there's been a lot of research done about this in the area of psychology lately. Um, just trying to think of what is it that makes people happy—not fleeting happiness, but but genuine, deep happiness. And and here's the thing that I know about every one of us, whether you're in this room or in Vallejo, um, or whether you are a longtime attender here, or this is your first time with us, whether you are a Christ follower or not. One thing I know is true about every one of us is we want to live a happy life, right? The trouble is we don't know how to do that. And we spend a lot of our time and effort and money trying to pursue things that we think will make us happy, but they don't make us as happy as we expected. And if they do make us happy, it doesn't last as long as we thought it would. And so we're using a definition of happy through this whole series because it's not just about fleeting happiness. It's about that deep happiness. And we're using this definition. It is the experience of joy, contentment, or positive well-being combined with a sense that one's life is good, meaningful, and worthwhile. And through all of the research that's been done in the field of uh, psychology, they've come up with some fascinating statistics. And if you took um, happiness, your happiness as a whole pie chart, um, in essence, it looks like this. About 50% of our general happiness is just our temperament. Or, or our personality. And some people are generally happier than others. And there's not much you can do about that. There's another 10% of our happiness, and that comes from circumstances. Um, buying a new, a new car, or, or getting a new job, or, or something like that. And that, that, is, that does provide some happiness to us, but it is that happiness that is short-lived and, um, and doesn't really last. It's not that deep, abiding happiness. And yet, that's where we spend most of our time trying to develop happiness in our lives. The good news is this 40%, that's something we can do something about. And what they have found is there are certain life practices, ways of approaching life, ways of living your life intentionally that bring about greater sense of happiness. And those life practices are what we've been looking at through this whole series together. And we started with relationships, how deep, meaningful relationships add happiness to our lives. Last week, we talked about not depending on circumstances or trying to compare ourselves with other people because that doesn't bring happiness, but rather fully investing and engaging in our own life. That brings lasting happiness. And today, we're going to look at another one. It's actually two of them, uh, and I think they're two sides of the very same coin. It has to do with gratitude and generosity. And what I want to start with, because we've been going through the book of Philippians and all this, I want to start with Philippians chapter 2, this verse, verses 14 and 15. This is what Paul wrote. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Do everything without grumbling. How's that one working for you? How you doing on that one? Okay. I mean, does he really mean everything? I mean, like everything? I actually looked it up in the Greek and the Greek word for everything is everything. Yeah. (laughs) 
Just, what if we lived one whole day, just take 24 hours and live a full 24 hours without one complaint, one grumbling, one argument? What would that look like? I mean, suppose we, we declared tomorrow, Monday, to be no grumbling day. What would that look like? So like tomorrow morning when the alarm clock goes off and you're still tired, no grumbling. Okay, or you get in your car and you're driving to work and you're stuck in that rush hour traffic, no complaining, no grumbling. And when you get to the office or wherever it is that you're working and you find out the internet's down or the, or the copier has jammed again, no grumbling, no complaining. Or maybe you have to deal with the unhappy client or, or customer and you just want to tell them off, just no grumbling. And even when you get home, when you get home and you find out on the dinner menu is Brussels sprouts, no grumbling, okay? Just what would that look like? In fact, think of it this way. Why would you not want to live that way? Because let me ask you this. For the grumbling and complaining that you do, does it really make you happier? I think it doesn't. And, and I find when I pay more attention to it, I do a lot more grumbling than I would like. That at the end of the day, I think life without grumbling would look a lot happier. And I think the, the root of or the spirit of grumbling really is all about ingratitude. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And it is one of the greatest barriers to our sense of happiness. It poisons our attitude. Um, it pollutes our relationships. And it's damaging to the soul. And I think the only antidote, antidote to grumbling is the two things we're going to be talking about today, gratitude and generosity. And it's written about in Paul's letter to the Philippian church. Today, we're going to be in chapter four. If you want to follow along, I'm beginning reading in verse 10. And this is what Paul writes to this church. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good, for you, good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, they were a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Really, this letter to the Philippian church, this book in our Bible called the Philippians, is really kind of a handbook on happiness. That's what we've found as we've been going through this together, that, that in this little four-chapter book, there are over 14 references to joy, rejoicing, or being joyful. 
And Paul's saying, and he's writing this from prison. Keep that in mind. He's writing from prison, and yet he talks about joy, and it's not about the circumstances. And in this section, he expresses two, expresses two particular things. He expresses his gratitude to these people for their support and their encouragement all along, and he encourages them to continue to be generous. And both of those are key practices to a happy life. So we're going to look at both of those together, and I'm going to start with the idea of gratitude. That deep, meaningful uh, happiness comes from gratitude. And in gratitude, what happens is I am viewing every aspect of my life as a gift. That I see all of my life, every other as- every aspect of it, as a gift. And like every all the other uh, happiness um, practices that we've talked about through this series, it doesn't depend on circumstances. It's more about the person that I'm becoming, not the stuff that I'm acquiring. And that is the thing that God is most concerned with in us. This is what Paul wrote. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. In other words, it doesn't depend on my circumstances. I've learned it's not about my situation. There's a secret here about all this. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What I want you to see here is this is a learned skill. This is an acquired mentality, if you will. And it's not something you can develop only on your own. It happens by the work of God within you. He said, I have learned this secret, and it comes through him who gives me strength. It is something that we develop, not depending on our circumstances. Because we tend, we tend to be grateful when we get stuff. And we kind of have this idea that, 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 that the more that I get, the more grateful I will be. And that just isn't true. Any parents in this room, how well does that work as a parenting philosophy? Give your kids whatever they ask for. Anytime they ask for it, just give it to them. Does that make them more grateful or less? Less. It turns them into spoiled brats. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. And yet that's the way that we, even as we grow up, even as we become adults, we still work. The more that I get, the more grateful I will be. And it just doesn't work that way it works by developing an idea and a mentality of gratitude and expressing that gratitude john ortberg puts it this way increased gratitude does not come from increased gratification and that is so true the best way to experience gratitude in your life is to express gratitude to the people around you gratitude towards god that I recognize that all of my life comes from him as a gift. And so I express that gratitude. Andy Stanley says this. He says, unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude to the people around you. And we often think, well, oh, man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a grateful person. Yeah, I've, I have all these grateful feelings inside. If you never express them, that's not gratitude. It's all about the mentality that says God has given me this gift of life. And that's what Paul does with this group of people. In fact, if you read through this letter, most of this letter is pretty much just a thank you note. In fact, for the very first line, the very first line in this letter says, I thank my God every time I remember you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He starts off the letter saying, I am so grateful for you people. Every time I think about you, I'm so grateful to God 
for putting you in my life. And then it comes to the end of this letter here, and he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that last year renewed your concern for me. When I sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you. He is grateful for them at the beginning. He is grateful for them at the end. The whole book is about gratitude. And the truth is, life is happier when you practice gratitude. It really is. There is something to this idea of counting your blessings. There was some research done a number of years ago where they took a group of people and they gave them a a journal and they said, what we want you to do, actually two groups of people, one group just they didn't give them anything. This other group, they gave them these uh, uh, gratitude journals. They said, what we would like you to do is every week record at least five things that you are grateful for. And at the end of the study that went on for a long period of time, at the end of the study, what they found was the ones that had been practicing the gratitude journal were far happier than those that had not. The other thing that they found was that half of that group they took, and half of them they said, we want you to write at least one thing every day for five days during the week. The other group they said, just on Sunday evening at the end or the beginning of the week, just write out five of them. And what they found was that the ones that did it just like once a day, they didn't, they didn't get the, the happiness as much as those who did it all in one sitting and just went through a list of things that they were grateful for. That happier people are grateful people and grateful people are happier. So I was thinking about that this week. On Thursday, uh, I was doing a lot of uh, errand running and I had a lot of things that I had to do, but I had to get back for an appointment. And so um, I was out, and it was right around lunchtime. I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll just go through a fast food, you know, get something quick to eat and move on. And, um, and so I went through this fast food restaurant whose name I will not mention, but it's, its initials are Taco Bell. And, uh, <laughs> and I got there just as, like, towards the end of the lunch hour. But, I, you know, I was just going to go through the drive-thru, and the line through the drive-thru went all the way through the parking lot. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I don't have time for this. So I just said, I'm just going to go inside. That'll be faster. Wrong. (laughs) Now I get inside and I put in my order and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And it seems like every car that was in that drive-thru line went through long before I got my food. And I'm sitting there through the whole time and I said, okay, this is a good time to practice what I preach. (laughs) So I'm going to think of at least five things that I am grateful for as I'm standing here waiting for my food. And I said, okay, well, number one, I'm grateful that I have a place where I can get food. That's a good thing. So I'm, I'm grateful that, that there's a place where I can get food. And I'm grateful that I have the ability to pay for it, that I actually have enough money that I can buy food. Because there are some people in this world that don't have that. So I'm grateful for that. And then I looked up at the menu and I thought, well, you know what? I'm grateful that I have a choice. Because there's a lot of people in this world that they don't have much choice. If they get something to eat, they're just happy whatever it is. So, I thought, well, that's something to be grateful for. And, and then, I, then I started kind of running out of steam. And I got to number four, and I thought, well, I'm grateful that there are people here that are willing to work for minimum wage to serve me this food. And that's something to be grateful for. And then I got to the fifth one, and I was just kind of stuck. And I thought about it. I thought about it. And the only thing I could come up with was, well, at least... I have the freedom to leave if I don't want to be here, okay? So that was the best I could do. But the idea is just think about and list them. There is really something that happens by counting your blessings. What ungrateful people expect as a right, 
Grateful people receive as a gift. And grateful people are far happier than ungrateful. The other side of that coin is generosity. With gratitude, I receive every aspect of my life as a gift. In generosity, what happens is I spend my life as a gift for others. See, that's why it's two sides of the same coin. In gratitude, I realize everything I have comes as a gift from God, and I become grateful for that. But then I realize that it's not just for me that he's given me resources and abilities to be able to be a gift to other people. And that's why they're, they're, they're so closely tied together. In fact, I would say generosity is the purest expression of gratitude. Because I'm realizing that this isn't just for me. This is to be passed on. And all of the research, of all the research that's been done, one of the strongest findings has been is that generous people are happy. That generosity is one of the greatest contributors to our happiness. You maybe have seen or heard or even said this saying, money can't buy happiness. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay. Anybody ever said that before? Okay. Everybody ever thought that before? Money can't buy happiness. Let me give you a twist on that. If you think money can't buy you happiness, you're spending it wrong. (laughs) Because if you're spending it on stuff for yourself, that won't make you happy. Not in the long run. But... If you are spending it on other people, that actually brings lasting happiness. Again, a lot of research has been done in this. Um, They did uh, MRI scans of people and just told them to think about doing something selfless for somebody or, or giving something or being generous to some cause or something like that. And what they found was as they were doing the MRI scan, just thinking about being generous caused the pleasure center of the brain to light up. Just thinking about the idea of being generous brought happy feelings. Other things they have found is that acts of giving and selflessness selflessness actually triggered release of of, um, dopamine and oxytocin into the brain. And those are the, the, that's the hormone and and the, um, and the, um, the other thing that makes you feel good, okay? (laughs) Mine went blank right there. Yeah, thank you. Um, And here's what else they found. Not only in the brain, they have actually found that acts of generosity and selflessness actually produce those same things in your heart. So that's why when you do something nice for somebody or you act in a generous way or in a selfless way, you have that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. That is actually the dopamine and oxytocin in your heart. It turns out God actually wired us up literally to be generous. And in generosity, we find the greatest happiness. It's what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And he knew exactly what he was talking about. It's the way that God created us. Not only that, it actually affects our overall health. They did a study in Marin County, uh, another study, about 2,000 people, elderly people, and, and they had them in two different groups. There was a group of people that volunteered at least twice, for at least two different causes on a regular basis. And then the other group um, were not involved in anything like that. 
Okay, so there was a group that were volunteering and serving in at least two or more causes, and another group that did nothing like that. What they found over a period of time, there was actually a 63% lower mortality rate in the ones that did acts of service. 63% reduction in the mortality rate. In fact, they found that acts of selflessness, volunteering and giving and generosity actually did more for your overall health in the long run than exercising four times a week. Yeah. So for those of you who don't like exercise, there's your answer. It's a brand new life motto. Be generous or die. (laughs) It's how God created us. And like all these other life practices, it is an acquired skill. It, it, it is something that you practice. Yes, thinking about acts of generosity and thinking about acts of selflessness, that makes you feel better, but the actual doing of it, that's what or the real benefit is. So how do you do that? Let me give you a couple practical ways on this one. First one is simply this. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Like I said, thinking about it, that produces some good happiness, but actually doing it, that's where the payoff is. Paul wrote to this church. He said, listen, at last you, res- you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, this was a church that had supported Paul in his early ministry. And, and on a regular basis, they had, that it, they had sent to him gifts and, and helped, helped him financially and all of these things. But, but then when he got arrested and was thrown in, in prison and appealed to Caesar, he actually got moved to prison in Rome, which is where he writes this letter from. So he said, there was this long period of time in which I was kind of out of touch and nobody could get to me. And nobody, nobody he, says, he says, and at last you renewed your concern for me. He said, what it felt like to me was nobody cared. Nobody was interested. Nobody was concerned about me. He says, but I realized you, you were concerned. You just didn't have the opportunity. Now that you've shown that opportunity, I realize you care about me. Just doing it, seeing the opportunity and taking it. Second thing, do it with empathy and with consistency. Those are two very important things they have found. That when people give generously to a cause that they identify with, to something that they they care about, something meaningful, that's where the greatest payoff comes. Again, Paul, it was good of you to share in my troubles. When I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. It was good of you to share in my troubles, that you identified with me. You were a part of everything that I was doing, even the difficult times that I was going through. I knew, I knew in the back of my mind that you were with me. That's the empathy piece. And you, did, you gave to me more than once. That this was regular support that he was receiving from this church. And it speaks to that idea of generosity. Just one-offs, that's nice. But regularity and doing it with something that you believe in, a cause that's important, something that is meaningful, that's that's where you get the greatest sense of fulfillment. Thirdly, do it as a spiritual discipline. He goes on. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Now, he actually uses um, wording in the the realm of accounting. 
And, and what he's saying is this isn't about me, although, yes, I benefited from it. But what's more important to me is how you benefited from it. And that's when it becomes a spiritual discipline. When I do it, God does something in me. And Paul says, yeah, I am appreciative of your gifts, but that's not really the point. What's really the point is what gets credited to your account. What happens inside of you? The benefit that you get from it. That's what I want more than anything else. And then the last one, you do it as an act of faith. And well, what happens? If I, if I give, then who's going to take care of me? If I serve, who's going to serve me? If I volunteer, well, then how's gonna, how am I going to get taken care of? Good question. So Paul ends with this. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Who's going to take care of you? My God. And he will take better care of you than anyone else. Sometimes it is an act of faith. Sometimes it's a stretch beyond our comfort zone. But when we do, and and I've had time after time after time, people say, you know, it was a risk. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't know how I was going to have, how, how I was going to be able to pay for it. I didn't know anything, but listen to what God did for me in this. And sometimes it was a financial payoff. Sometimes it was something quite different, but I do know this, that God has so wired us for generosity and for gratitude that when we do those things, the payoff that he brings into our lives is huge. Now, those are all great benefits, but the best reason of all is simply this, that if I have put my life in Christ's hands and I have received his great gift of eternal life by his grace, then the only real response would be gratitude and generosity. Would you bow your heads with me? And for those of you in the Vallejo campus, I'm going to turn it over to our our campus host there. Um, We do this time, we always give people an opportunity to respond. So I want to ask you today, how are you in this whole area of gratitude and generosity? Is your life more filled with grumbling than gratitude? More filled with complaints than generosity? Scripture tells us that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And the greatest gift that he gave us was he gave his one and only son who gave his life on a cross so that we could have this new life in him. Not that we earn it, not that we deserve it. It comes as a gift. And the only response to that, the only logical response to that is to live in gratitude every day of my life and to pass that on to others in some way, shape, or form in acts of generosity. So as we close, if you're here today and in all honesty, you would say, you know, I'm not doing too good in either of these areas or one of these areas. And I'd like to change that. I need to be a lot more grateful and I can't change that on my own, God. I need, I need you to change me on the inside. But I'm going to start with this decision or, or maybe it's generosity. God, I hold back so often because I'm afraid that what I give up, I'm not going to get replaced. You are the giver of every good and perfect gift. 
I want to be more generous. Would you help me with that? And if that describes you, any of those describe you in any way, and you could use some prayer in this area because it's not something you're going to do on your own. I would love to pray for you as we close. Would you just let me know by raising your hand, holding it up and catching my eye? Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're here today. And you never experienced the grace of God. For the most part, your faith is all about trying to earn or deserve God's love and favor. He has already given that to you freely as a gift. And if you've never received that gift, you can take a first step of faith today. And it's quite simple. It's just simply admitting your need. You're saying, God, here I am with my faults, with my failures, with my struggles, with my sin, and I can't fix myself. I can't change myself. Would you, by your mercy and by your grace, take what you did on that cross and apply it to my life? Would you forgive me? Would you put your life within me and teach me how to follow you? And today, that's a first step of faith for you. And I ask you to do the same thing. Just hold up your hand for a moment. Catch my eye. I want to pray with you and for you as we close. All right. So join me in this prayer. Lord, you are good and you are generous. And you have shown that to us in so many ways. And many of us here today have have acknowledged that we're not as grateful as we could be. And we're certainly not as generous as we should be. But by your spirit at work within us, would you teach us how to live a life that's a little less grumbling and a little more gratitude, a little less complaint, a little more generosity. And as we practice these things, would you give us the strength to consistently follow through on that? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You